0: We've been walking through the Apostles' Creed the last few weeks, and we're on the very last uh, episode today, uh, episode 13. If you didn't uh, haven't been with us, let me bring you up to speed just a little bit. The one thing about the Apostles' Creed is it was sort of compiled over years and years and years, but it's the oldest creed, and a creed is a statement of belief. And so this one's been around for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And today, on this very day, around the world, there, are gonna, there will be churches who recite the creed. And this has gone on for centuries. And so when we talk about the Creed and when we look at the Creed, we're connecting not only with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ around the world today, but we connect with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ through the centuries. And so that's kind of what we're doing with the Creed. We're just at the end. We're going to talk about the resurrection and eternity and what that looks like for you and for me. And it was a great song to kind of lead into that, this last song, I'm Not a Slave to Fear, because, I mean, finish this sentence for me. If you go someplace, you, you go to a movie, a Stephen King movie, or, or maybe you ride this roller coaster, Spinal Tap, the roller coaster, or whatever, and, and when you get off that, you, you would say something, see if you can finish this, the, the sentence, that thing scared me to what? Death, right, death. Now, um, I don't know if that's real, I'm pretty sure that's photoshopped, but this brings up another sentence, uh, over my dead body. Uh, so, it's kind of the same thing. We live in a world where we're, we're afraid of death. I mean, lots and lots of people are, are very fearful, and so today we're going to talk about what death looks like for a follower of Jesus, what it means for us, and, and what the resurrection means for us. We're going to talk about all those things, but in our world I don't know if you notice warning labels, but warning labels were kind of warned to death. There's warning labels everywhere, and this is an actual, this isn't the label itself, but this is what the label said on this particular garment. Parents, please exercise caution. This is for play only. Mask and cape are not protective. The cape does not enable a user to fly. Now, the reason a tag like this makes its way onto a garment is because somebody believed that that cape did enable them to fly, and they gave it a go, and they got sued, and so now they had to do this. So we have ways of dealing with our fear, like fear of death. And so let's talk about a couple of those, and then we're going to look uh, at the, uh, the creed itself. Um, sometimes we choose to ignore it. Did you know there's something actually called the Young Men's Immortality Syndrome? Young Men's Immortality Syndrome? The the idea behind this is young men, though they know they could die, don't think they will die. And statistically speaking, that's why um, that young men, the leading cause of death in young men are accidents. They have a tendency to be daring and dangerous and do foolish things. and if you're ever around a young man, or if you've ever been a young man, you know that's true. I, I can count I can probably give you 10 or, or 15 different examples of me doing really, really stupid things that I shouldn't have done. And from which I nearly died. Uh, You know, they say cats have nine lives. I think I'm on about life 16 because I've done really, really dumb things. So sometimes we just choose to ignore it. Uh, Another option that people choose in how to deal with their fear is sometimes they just isolate themselves. They try to pull away, hole away from everything that could cause them um, death. And so they don't ride on trains or planes and they... Um, make certain that they live in a certain place where they don't have to go out very often. And, you know, uh, uh, what's that old joke about the the redneck herd that uh, um, most accidents happened within 10 miles of his house so he moved 11 miles away? That that kind of thing, you know, that kind of deal. Some people uh, choose the Epicurean way, and this is uh, kind of a highfalutin way of saying the Epicurean way was eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you you will die. And and it's sort of, this is... uh, if I'm going to die anyway, I'm just going to live with all the gusto I can, and I'm just going to be pleasure-centric, and that's the kind of life I'm going to live, and I'm just going to do it for myself. And uh, no holds barred, it's just all about me. And closely related to that in America is materialism and consumerism, and it's, hey, I'm going to get, get as much as I can. And this, this looks like the bumper sticker that says, he who dies with the most toys wins. That's what that is. And so there are different ways of dealing with death. Now Christians take a whole different look at this. Oh by the way, there, sometimes we joke about it and I want to give you the bad joke warning. Uh, this is a bad joke. A guy comes into the doctor's office. The doctor says, I've got good news and bad news. Got your test results and he has a very somber face on and so the patient says, okay, well give me the good news first because he could tell it was serious and the doctor says, well, the good news is you have 24 hours to live. And the guy, you know, was obviously shocked. And he said, well, if that's the good news, what's the bad news? And the doctor says, I should have called you in yesterday. Uh, so uh, we, we deal with these things in different ways. So the creed looks like this. And here's what's interesting to me about the creed. Um, it, it sets us apart from the way other people believe. A, a lot of the things we believe aren't common, frankly. I'll, I'll point out a couple. But the creed looks like this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And in a way, that separates us because not everybody believe that, that believes that there is a God and that there is a creator. Uh, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only son, and not everybody believes that Jesus was God's son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. And that is a unique event that happened one time in history, that there was a virgin conception and a virgin birth, and that it makes us unique. And not everybody believes that either. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, dead, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day, he rose again. And again, that's unique because that's not something that we see every day. I've been to many, many funerals. I've seen a lot of people die. I've really never witnessed personally a resurrection. Happened once. Now, there's been a resuscitation or two, but not a resurrection. And so we believe something that's uncommon as Christians. He ascended into heaven, again, something unique, and is seated at the right hand, the powerful hand of God Almighty. He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit who indwells us, again, something unique to followers of Jesus, that we believe the Holy Spirit comes when we give our lives to Christ, comes to live within us, to guide us, to help us along the path, to do the right things, to make the right choices. I believe in one holy church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, And today we wrap up our series, I Believe in the Resurrection of the Body and Life Eternal. And these things that we believe often are a little different than what other people believe. So let's talk about three things. If you have an outline it's on the back of your uh, program, a couple of things we're going to talk about today. Uh, One is we believe our bodies will be resurrected. There's a resurrection of the body. And this is unique in the fact that, again, as I said a minute ago, I've been to a lot of funerals, but I've never seen anybody (laughs) resurrected, and so it's, it's something that's unique to Christianity, and it's also something that's a little difficult to believe because we haven't witnessed it. Now, I believe it to be true, but it's unique, and it's sometimes difficult, and the harsh reality of death when we experience it in our own family can bruise your spirit. If you've lost a loved one that, that you thought dearly of, for me it was my dad, it bruises your heart a little bit to think that they are gone, and we even have an entire industry around this, uh, at the funeral home industry, that helps people deal in these situations, and, and we don't even like to say somebody has died. We'll use euphemisms like they've passed on, or they departed, or uh, they we've they they're lost. We lost Jimmy last night, or whatever. We say those things to sort of soften the blow of death, and. and if you've ever been to a funeral where the casket was open, and if you've been close, and I've been close to the, the casket before, and I've heard conversations like this, you'll hear people say, uh, she just looks She just looks so good. And and don't you internally want to say, really, she doesn't look good? She looks dead. I mean, really. Uh, I, I mean, no offense to my father, but he looked like a corpse with a bad uh, makeup job. I mean, it really, they, they tried to make him look alive. He's not alive. And And I remember standing there thinking gosh, I wish they hadn't put that stuff on him. It doesn't make him look better. I I don't think that's better. And so we do these things and we say these things and we try to soften the harshness of death. And there's a question that theologians and philosophers and people from the Bible have asked for, for years, and it's this, if a man dies, shall he live again? That's what we're going to talk about today. Because deep in our souls, that's the one question we'd like to know. If this life is all there is, then why be good at all, right? And and then Paul put it this way. Paul was a guy who wrote a lot of the New Testament. Paul said, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be, of all, all people, most to be pitied. If our only hope is for this life, and there's not another life, if life doesn't continue to go on, then we are to be pitied. And so we believe in the resurrection. We believe that our bodies are resurrected. Now, I'm going to talk about that just a little bit, because it gives us hope. But in 1 Corinthians, it says this, for Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. He's The first fruit, the first one that's ever done it. He's not going to be. First fruit implies there are going to be more fruit. There's going to be more people that experience this. But for now, it's first fruits. And we believe there's a. You have to understand there's a difference between resurrection and resuscitation. Resuscitation is coming back the way you are. And the older I get, the more I don't want to be resuscitated. Because, uh, you know, things. The older you get, the more stuff breaks down. And I don't know where you are in this journey, but eventually your body sort of full-on betrays you. It just kind of does. And there's a guy named Solomon. He's the wisest cat who ever lived, the Bible tells us. And he writes about this in his old age. He writes a book called Ecclesiastes. Super fun book. I'm going to read a couple of verses to you. Uh, Oh, we talked about that. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. This is, um, this is the young whippersnapper verse right here. He's old, and he's basically saying, you young whippersnappers don't need to take your youth uh, for granted. That's what this verse is. Honor him, honor the Lord in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. And the older you get, a lot of times the less pleasant life is. Becomes. And then he gives some examples, and this is poetry, so remember this is poetry. Remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim in your old eyes, and rain clouds continually darken your sky. You know what he's saying? That's when you can't see anymore. You you start to not see things well. And then he goes on, It, it gets better. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house, start to tremble. Remember Uh, Before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding. And before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. And it's another kind of poetic way of saying, you're getting old and you're breaking down. This happened to me. There's a, a time in your life usually, if you live long enough, where you have a realization that you aren't going to live forever. For me, it was at 40 years old. I had a heart attack when I was 40. And I remember going to the emergency room. I had been feeling poorly. And I went to the ER. And the, the ER d- d- nurse was, was uh, asking me some questions. And here's what's really... Here's, I need to, I'm going to let you in on a, a secret... If you're talking to the ER nurse and her eyes get really big and she uh, makes you stand up and runs you to, uh, back into emergency, that's not good. Uh, I just want you to know that. And so that's what happened to me. I'm talking to her and I'm giving her my symptoms. And she said, we'll finish the rest of this paperwork out later. Let's go. Uh, and so she kind of picks me up. And I'm like having a heart attack. And she's jogging me. I'm not sure that's right. But uh, she jogged me to the back. And then uh, s- some guy, um, uh, some doctor... Uh, put a, a, some kind of a it was a clot buster or something in my in my arteries and um, you, you know nobody really told me what was going on I kind of like to know what what the deal is you know what's going on here and so I remember sitting there and I'm, I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm losing my lunch and I'm just not not doing very well I don't feel good and you know in, in emergency rooms they're busy It's the funny thing about emergency room, always busy. And the guy's walking by, the doctor's walking by, and I I can't get his attention. So I grabbed one of the nurses, and I just said, could you tell me what's going on? And she said, you're having a cardiac event. I'm like, what? Is that like a heart attack? That sounds like a heart attack. And she said, yeah, that's what you're having, a heart attack. i like, well, talk English. Uh, uh, And so for me, it was when I was 40. It's like, okay, this whole thing is breaking down here. For some of you, it's when you got glasses and then you got bifocals and then you got trifocals. You like you work for NASA now. You know you got so many lenses going on. And it happens. It happens to all of us. And Solomon continues. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed. And you want to work and you can't work and it gets to a place where you can't do. How many people have you said this to or have you heard say, I can't do what I used to do? And the sound of work fades, and now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. And you start getting the early bird special at the diner for at 4 o'clock, and you're in bed by 8.30, and you get up at 2, because that's the way it works. And our bodies sort of... The funny thing, we, we kind of have this love-hate relationship with our bodies if you think about it you know they we, we like them when they work for us but then they wear out and they start to leak and expand and wrinkle and they get creaky and the arteries harden and gravity pulls things down that we don't want pulled down and our heart slows and our bodies bulge and we get in a rocking chair and we can't get it to work I mean that's a bad thing right and you're asleep and there are people around you wondering if you're dead that's bad that's a bad sign that's really not good when they put a mirror under your nose just to see if you're breathing. I mean, you know, that's really not good. That's not good. And then we, we get older and we start to think about our diet. And, you know, I, I looked up some diets. There's low-carb, low-fat, paleo, gluten-free, cabbage soup, grapefruit. One question I've got for you. If God didn't want us to enjoy that food, um, then why would he make it so tasty? I, I don't think there's a good answer. I mean, I think, I think that's part of it. But we, we want to watch our weights. So we got Weight Watchers and we got Jenny Craig and we got Curves. And here's the truth, and I think you should take care of your body. I really do. I think it's a temple of the Holy Spirit, and you should take care of it. And, and I think it's something that we need. It's a gift from God. Our bodies are a gift from God. But here is the truth. Nobody's body lasts forever. It just doesn't. And people who take great care of their bodies, eventually, eventually that body wears out. It, it's just designed to not last forever and so uh, you can be a vegan and you can juice and and you can do hot yoga and you can sleep in a hyperbaric oxygen chamber and eventually these bodies as great a care as we can take of them will eventually wear out it is simply a matter of fact mortality rate on the earth is a hundred percent I mean people all people die it's just what it is So we believe in a resurrection, and we believe in a resurrection of the body. And and I'm going to talk about what that looks like for us. But the second thing that we believe is that we believe we don't have to fear death. We who follow Jesus, the Bible talks a, a bit about death. And so let me give you a couple of verses, and we'll unpack it a little bit. But the Bible says in Hebrews, people are destined to die. So number one, death is certain, just like we talked about and uh, after that to face judgment we're destined to die but that doesn't end our lives it's just the next phase and the bible says jesus broke the power of death and illuminated the way of life and immortality and that christ then therefore defeats death and ultimately death remains the last enemy the text says the last enemy to be destroyed is death and the bible Here's what, this was interesting to me, and I never really thought about it this way. Dr. Charles Ryrie was a great theologian, and he talks about the fact that death is the unnatural separation of the body and the spirit, and we don't think that way because it's kind of like, well, the most natural thing in the world is for somebody to die because we see it all the time. People live and then they die. But Ryrie's point is the only reason we die is because of sin, and he backs this up with this text that says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world, and Adam's sin brought death. So we should all say right now, Thanks, Adam. Uh, Thank you, buddy. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. And the point is this. Death exists because sin exists. And at the resurrection, there is no more sin in heaven, and therefore, there's no more death in heaven Basically, death one day will die, which is interesting. Which brings us to the resurrection. When death is dead, when there's no more death, what does it look like for those of us who follow Christ? Let's talk about the details. We believe in the resurrection. Number one, it says here, Listen, I'll tell you a mystery. We'll not all sleep, but we'll all be changed in a flash. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Super important to get this. Let, let me point out three things real quickly. The first thing is, it, it happens quickly, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. It's kind of like driving through pumpkin town. If you blink, you miss it. So it's, it's quick. It happens fast. It's going to be fast. And it'll happen when Jesus returns. He talks about at the last trump, and that's a symbolism for Jesus' return, his second coming. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And then it said, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. So we, we receive something. Uh, uh, we receive, the Bible talks about, the, the, the Greek word is doxa, a glorified body. And this one is designed... To not wear out, which is super cool. Well, let's go on. but someone will ask, how are the dead raised, and what kind of body will they will, will they come? Uh, how foolish uh, what you saw does not come to life unless it dies. And when you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but instead you plant a seed, perhaps it's wheat or it's something else. but God gives it a body as He has determined, and to each kind of seed He gives its own body. And this is a picture of an acorn. Now, those of you who know anything about uh, plants know that you plant a seed, but the seed doesn't look anything like the plant that comes eventually. And so an acorn, look how small it is. It's tiny, right? And if you were to study an acorn and you didn't know anything about what happened to an acorn when it went into the ground and when it grew, if you didn't know, if you just were to dissect an acorn, there's no way you could look at an acorn and say, well, that's going to be an oak tree. Uh, You can cut it apart. There's not a little oak tree in there ready to grow. In fact, it is a miracle. Every time you see a tree, it came from some seed. Every time you you see a plant, it came from a seed that looked nothing like the plant does today. My wife loves flowers. I I mean, I love that about her. what I love about that, the reason I love that about her is uh, her birthday and Mother's Day are really close together, and it's, it, they're both in the spring, and so I just get her flowers. And I am off the hook, and she's not in here, so I, it's great, it's great. Now, if you talk to her, you should say he puts a lot of thought into that, but it's not true. Uh, so, but what we love at our house, <laughs> Miriam and Elise, they'll plant stuff. I I stay out of the way. You know, I I was like, hey, look, there's stuff. Um, uh, In fact, sometimes I come home and there's more stuff. There's lots of stuff. In my house, there's lots of stuff. Lots of stuff with color. It's nice. Um, If I lived there and Miriam wasn't there and Elise wasn't there, um, it would be less stuffy. Uh, There'd be less stuff. There'd be much less color. And I'm thankful for the color. But what I know is this. When you plant the seed, the seed doesn't look like itself when it grows. And an acorn becomes an oak tree, and who saw that coming? And this is the illustration that Paul uses to talk about our resurrected body. It's different than it was before. And that's why I talked about it a minute ago. It will be changed. So this, let's go back. Little acorn is what you plant. And by the way, uh, if you've ever heard somebody use the expression, well, we planted Uncle Jimmy, you know, the other day, it's theologically correct. Uh, it's great terminology. Um, it, it's, it's true. Because you plant the seed and something completely different, but the same. Isn't that interesting how God does that? Now, let's talk about... The truth is, today we're acorns... In fact, you could look around you, look to your right, that person's an acorn. Look to your left, acorn, they're all acorns. Which means they have the potential to be mighty oaks. Or if you can't go that far, p- pumpkin seed, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, you, there's, there's something, there's seed of some sort. And, and Paul would say, today you're an acorn, but someday you're going to be an oak. And that, that's the illustration that he gives. Now, it's important to remember what resurrection isn't. Let's go. Let me let me tick some of these off. Remember, it's not resuscitation. Resuscitation, like um, Jesus had a friend named Lazarus, and he had been in the grave for four days, and Jesus he was resuscitated and he came back. But but eventually Lazarus died again. I mean, he died ultimately. So we're not talking about we're not resuscitated. It's different than that. We're not reincarnated. You don't come back as a spider monkey or a plant or Tim Tebow's girlfriend. I mean, none of that happens. Um, Sorry for your luck, but that's the way it works. Uh, We don't get uh, reincarnated. We don't become angels. This is so confusing for people. And I know know you've heard people say, uh, you know, somebody will die. They're an angel now. Well, they're not an angel now. Nowhere in Scripture does it say you become an angel. You don't become an angel. In fact, what's really interesting if you read Scripture, angels look at our salvation and it says they marvel. They're amazed at what we get to experience And so, you don't become an angel. You don't want to become an angel. Nobody becomes an angel. If you hear that, be nice. You don't have to say, that's stupid. My preacher said you're stupid. Uh, That's not what you should say. Tell him that the preacher up the street uh, said they're stupid. We'll do that for each other. Okay, that's what we're going to do. But that's just, I mean, scripturally speaking, that's not what happens. You don't become an angel. And I know some of you have been hoping I'm going to haunt, you know, I, you know, I got somebody, when I'm, when I'm gone, I'm coming back. I, you know, I know some of you have got that kind of vibe going. Uh, you don't become a ghost either. I know that's kind of a bummer for some of you because um, there are some people. So basically what that means, if you want to haunt them, you're going to have to do it now. Uh, so um, that's a word from your pastor, uh, that, but that's the deal. So we don't resuscitate. We don't reincarnate. We don't become an angel. We don't become a ghost. These bodies, this seed is buried and we get a resurrected, changed body. And all the marks, and here's the good, I'm going to give you the good stuff right now. All the marks of sin are removed. You know, maybe the best part, I don't know about you, yeah, I, mean, I know I'm in a, a room with lots of people and there's very little sin here. And I recognize that. But when... We receive our glorified bodies, no more sin. All the marks of sin are taken away. And we look at Jesus. When Jesus was resurrected, you'll notice what happened with him. I mean, if you read about the, the accounts of his resurrection, he came back. He, great news. He ate with the disciples. He drank with the disciples. He had conversations with the disciples. They knew who he was. He was recognizable. They, they knew him. He had the marks of... Um, of the crucifixion you know the the nail scars in his hands he had that and it was a badge of honor honestly for him to have that I I love the idea that we get to still eat and drink because I really like to eat and drink I I like that a lot I I like a you know a a nice bottle of water you know when I'm really thirsty I I like uh, I had a good steak the other day I haven't had that in a while yeah it was so good Um, I'm fairly certain uh, that Bojangles is in heaven and uh, Chick-fil-a so I mean that's good stuff But Jesus also had elements that don't translate to our bodies now because he would just sort of appear in a room. It's like he was able to transcend time and space, and and he was was just there, and then he wasn't there. And people will sometimes, this is a question a lot of people have, they'll say, what if somebody's cremated? How will their bodies, or what if, like uh, the Twin Towers, when they fell and people were vaporized because of uh, the pressure and that kind of thing, what happens? Or... Uh, you know they were um, buried at sea there's not a body anymore what what happens people ask that and and here my belief is that the God who holds every molecule of the universe in his hands has the ability to bring those people back to life in a new glorified body a lot a lot of times and I'm going to tell you the truth I have questions about scripture sometimes and and I try to investigate, and sometimes I just come to the conclusion: I think God's going to do what He said He's going to do. I, th- I think it's going to work out the way God says it. In fact, Abraham one time said, "Will not the God of all the earth do right?" And I, that's a go-to for me. I think God will do the right thing, and I believe God can bring people back, even if they're vaporized or cremated or lost at sea. And then that brings us to everlasting life—the good, more good news. In Revelation, uh, John writes, God will wipe every tear from their eye. There'll be no more death or sorrow because there's no sin. There's no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. No funerals in heaven, no mourning. We don't have to do wakes. No more pain. And I know some of you live with pain that's chronic I know that, and I. maybe this is the best news you've ever heard or been reminded of, that in heaven all that pain goes away. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making all things new. Some of us in this room have been marked by tragedy and There have been events in our lives, and we look at those those kind of markers in our lives. This is, you know, I remember when this happened, or I remember when that happened. and, And it hurts our spirits to think about those things. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's when you got sick, and now you can't do what you used to do, and there are things that happen. And this verse for me, these verses, help me look at things from a different perspective. Like 10,000 years from now, when you have your resurrected body and you're in heaven, you, you ever get around old friends and you talk about old stories about old stuff you used to do? Hey, man, remember when you know this happened? Hey, you remember? And, so, and sometimes it's not even good. Remember when that girl dumped you? <laughs> uh, I like those. Um, and I seem to have a catalog of that happening to me, so it's kind of misery loves company. Or rem- remember when we did this? Remember when we got in trouble for that? I think 10,000 years from now, we're going to look back at the hardships that we have now or the pain that we're enduring now. Like old warriors. You ever been around to old warriors? They talk about battles they were in. Hey, remember when they came up on our flank and we didn't see them? Oh, Johnny took a bullet to the shoulder. Remember that? And I think heaven is going to be a time where we look back. Again, there's there's no death or sorrow or crying or pain. Those things aren't there. And we'll look at it and we'll say, remember that? And I think from that perspective, from 10,000 years from now, we look back and we say, look at how that helped me get a different perspective. Look at how that changed My life. Look at how God used that event to mold me into to to mold my character. I I think we'll look at it completely different ten thousand years from now. You've heard of Benjamin Franklin, I'm sure. At 23 years of age, he wrote his his own um, epitaph, and it wasn't used. But at 23, uh, it's full of wisdom, and I wanted to share it with you as we close. He wrote, The body of Benjamin Franklin lies here. And he was a printer, so this kind of makes sense because he was a printer. Like the cover of an old book, its contents torn out, stripped of its lettering and gilding, but the work shall not be lost, for it will appear once more in a new and more elegant edition, revised and corrected by the author. I think that's, I think that's great. We believe and the resurrection of the body, that we become new. That we're not raised to a tweaked back and bad knees. We're not resuscitated, but we're raised to a newness of life. We believe that we get to spend eternity where there's no sorrow and no crying and no pain. And for tens and tens and tens of thousands of years, for all eternity, we get to spend with our Savior who came so that we might have life everlasting. This is what we who follow Jesus believe. We can take comfort in this. Wow. Um, I'm encouraged today because though I hurt today, I know someday is coming where I'm not going to hurt. And though I have sorrow today, I know someday there's going to be a day where I don't have sorrow. And I have pain and I have crying today, but someday there's going to be a day. But someday there's going to be a day where none of that exists. And we are going to come back. God is going to create us anew, revised and corrected. Father, it is um, encouraging to look at your word and to be reminded that you can make all things new and that we have a promise of a resurrected body that's different that's changed, that we have the promise of eternity where there is no sorrow or pain or dying or crying. Lord, we thank you for these promises, and I pray that we would internalize them, that we would hold them next to our hearts and our spirits. And when we experience difficult times, help us remember this isn't all there is, and that someday, 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 You're going to make all things new. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.